Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zoraris. I hope everybody got a chance to check out yesterday's return show with my good friend Hunter Hodes. We talked about the Pittsburgh Penguins and their surprising resurgence is the way I described it. A lot of people more or less assumed the Penguins' window of contention was more or less closed based on how the playoffs went last year. They didn't shake up their roster too much, but we had a really good 50-minute conversation about the state of the Penguins, what's worked for them this year that hasn't in years past, what the team did to rebuild Tristan Yari's confidence after that postseason series against the Islanders went so wrong for them, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I really do encourage you to go check that out. Today's show, one of my favorite Twitter follows, one of my favorite Twitter shit posters. Ava is here to talk about the Winnipeg Jets, the NHL, and a bunch of other random stuff that came to mind while we were talking. Just... One of those good talks where you know somebody based on how you interact with them on Twitter that you'll get along with them. And this conversation with Ava was no, no surprise. It was a good time and it's informative. It gives you a good snapshot view of what's gone on with the Winnipeg Jets over the last 36 months and how they went from one of those mid-tier Stanley Cup contenders every single season to perpetual mediocrity, which is where the Jets are stuck right now. But before I get to today's show, do got to remind everyone to help support the show. Number one, please, please, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, all your major podcasting platforms. Please, please, please subscribe to the show. If you're using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave a review. If you're using Apple Podcasts, you go to the show's page, you scroll past the last handful of episodes, there's going to be five clear purple stars at the bottom of that screen. You hit the one furthest to the right, that's a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. Please take the time, leave a few words. All reviews are good, preferably good reviews, but if you want to leave one star and be a schmuck or write something condescending or whatever in the written reply, written reviews, that's fine. I don't really care, but interactions are good for the show. And as I always say, support your content creators, whether it's me whether it's Hunter, who was on yesterday, who's the host of the Locked on Penguins podcast, whether it's today's guest, Ava, and you just follow her on Twitter. Support your content creators, folks. We are doing we are doing a lot of research to put together shows like today, shows like yesterday. It makes for better content when people know what they're talking about. I like to do the opposite of what you see on TV, where Stephen A. Smith gets handed a sheet of paper with notes on all the games from the previous night, and he has to pick a position to argue, even though he didn't watch the game. Trying to do informed conversation here and occasionally rift off onto tangents that come up as interesting. So, with all that said, I will see you guys on the other side of the drop with Ava, and we will be talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois' Winnipeg Jets. And with that, I am very happy to welcome one of the better hockey shit posters on Al Gore's internet. How are we doing, Ava? Pretty decent, pretty decent. Thank you for having me. 
Absolutely. It, it's been, I, I feel like we probably should have done this already at some point because you have the same terminally online sense of humor that I do, and it would make for a very good conversation, but I'm glad we're rectifying that now. And yes, we're going to talk about the Winnipeg Jets mostly in this conversation, but it, it'll float around because the Jets have had a weird season and they're kind of, I, I don't want to say like the season was over in December, but it's kind of how it's felt since December when Paul Marie stepped down. Yeah, it, honestly, I think the season was over last season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, just ever since that Montreal series last year, the Jets have been they've been they've been not the Jets. They have um they've been the Thrashers, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that's a good way to put it. That's an interesting way to put it. So let's start with the very basics. What's your relationship with sports been like in your life? I like to get to feel out that part of your brain so I understand what how you think about hockey. Okay. Well, um, if you know me at all, you know that I am terminally online. I that's like my only personality is sports. But it was actually kind of an accident that I became a sports fan. Um, it was my mom actually who made me watch a Jets playoff game back in 2018 and then the hyperfixation started and I haven't been able to break free from it since. So that's my story of accidentally becoming a Winnipeg Jets fan because nobody willingly does that. And how'd you stumble into being a pretty good shit poster? You got volume, man. You're like 10, 12 times a day. I'm like two times a day. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, um, I guess it's a few things. It's one, my brain never being able to shut off ever. I'm just constantly thinking about stuff. <laughs> um, and the other thing is I like to hear the sound of my own voice in real life. So it's that online too, the God complex. So yeah. I definitely understand where you're coming from with that. I've been nodding for the last 30 seconds. So <laughs> Let's get into this weird odyssey because the Jets are one of those teams where they have set limitations because of their market, because of their ownership, what they can do financially. They they had a few good cracks at it. They had two or three really good cracks at trying to win a Stanley Cup. There was that year they were on the cover of the Hockey News as the preseason pick to win the Stanley Cup that everybody remembers. They traded for Kevin Hayes at the deadline. They played one of the best playoff series of all time against the Predators that season. And then they were just exhausted when they played Vegas in the next round. It, yeah. it kind of feels painful and like unfair that that was the best the Jets did was getting to a conference final and losing in five games to an expansion team that just kind of seems like a bullshit investment of time people spend god knows how many hours of their life watching the Jets and that's all they got out of it was a western conference finals mm -hmm. yeah honestly I think well I don't really know well I mean I do know much about the Jets because of the whole accidentally becoming a huge super fan thing but before my time before my time watching the Jets, at least, we were just like so bad or just so not yeah. even bad, just painfully mediocre. So I think the yeah. fact that we were so close to an extent that one year and then it's just been so downhill ever since is what makes, you know, Jets fans online. They're a little they're a little tense. They're a little yeah. tense, um, you know, a bit of a prickly bunch. And I think that's why is just because we were so close and then everything just like caught on fire and then exploded and then caught on fire again. Like it was just a downfall times 10. <laughs> well, 
What's it been like having the team slowly ripped apart over time between Bufflin leaving, Truba leaving, Line getting traded, Morrissey not really being the same guy, Wheeler and Shifley kind of being more empty stats, good counting stats, but not particularly good. What's that been like? Well, it's been sad, first of all, <laughs> I think, um, as a Jets fan myself. Um, it's been tough to watch. Um, I think the real start of realizing everything was about to go to like absolute crap was when Buff left because even though Wheeler's the captain and you know there's Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, all those guys, Bufflin was the team like he was the Jets so when he left it was just like the Jets don't have a voice anymore and then there was obviously everything else after that like true believing was a huge thing um even like Sherratt and Myers even though they're not like necessarily good they were still big parts of the team and the one that's, I think, the, the hardest to talk about is the line A trade, just because yeah. in Winnipeg, we love Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's great. I think this season that he's kind of got everything together and he's been producing like his old self has really made the city love him. But you can't replace Patrick Line. Yeah. And the way it happened, like ownership being so stubborn with keeping Paul Maurice for so long, because it's no secret Line and Maurice had a bit of a rift. Um, and favoring the old coach who has never won a Stanley Cup in his entire life and is the losingest coach in NHL history over like an elite sniper and a fan favorite was just kind of one of those moments where you realized, wow, ownership does not know what they're doing at all. Like, yeah. That answered my question. I was going to ask which one sucked the most. I assumed it was line A because the the tantalizing possibilities you saw of 21 year old Patrick line where it's like this guy could be Ovechkin light if they keep him in a good situation and he had the really great season that year and then they never were able to put him back together and like you said he, he was in an uncomfortable situation he wanted to leave at least they got somebody good in return for him it's not like they dumped him totally for like a Taylor Hall for Adam Larson type deal. They at least got something good out of it in Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is very good. And I understand the vision of what they're trying to do with Shifley and then PLD and then um, Lowry down the middle. That's a good one, two, three. But at the same time, like you've said, it's not working. It hasn't worked for a while. There's a reason Paul Maurice left in the middle of the season. If even the hockey coach, the stubborn white old man hockey coach is, I can't fix this, there's probably no fixing it. Basically, yeah. And I think the worst part was the fact that the Jets didn't even hire anyone. Like, I realized (laughs) there wasn't really anyone on the market. But, like, if you look at Dave Lowry's track record with, you know, when he coached Team Canada at the World Juniors and they came in, like, seventh or something. Like, (laughs) Canada doesn't come in seventh. (laughs) Yeah. Not good. So, the first question I have in talking about this season is, how do you think the way the playoffs ended last year against Montreal impacted the way things are going forward because they beat Edmonton very surprising because Edmonton beat them every single time in the regular season last year in that hellish North division and they looked decent and Hellebuck was a god for seven for six seven games in that series I figured okay the Jets should beat Montreal and then Montreal went to a cup final whatever how do you think how the playoffs went for them last year impacted how this season ended up going in terms of what they did in the offseason and what actually happened? Well, I think, first of all, the elephant in the room is obviously the Evans hit. Yes. And how Shifley hasn't really been great this year. Yes. I genuinely think that hit, like, 
messed him up to a point where like, I don't know, maybe, maybe he really did feel bad, even though he never really apologized. And he's just kind of had a hard time coming back from it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that just, there's something about Winnipeg Jets, the ownership, management, everything. It's like an elitist hockey team to a sense. You know what I mean? Like the old hockey dudes that are like, yeah, this is Canada's game. We know what we're doing and they don't know what they're doing. And they think we have all this homegrown talent, which we do, but the coach doesn't play because he thinks that, you know, 85 year old Nate Thompson is a better substitute for like, I don't know, Cole Perfetti or something. Yeah, been, it's, yeah, bad. I've been waiting for the Cole Perfetti breakout for like two years now. I, I keep being like, it'll come, he'll get some playing time eventually. And then I don't know what it is. Some of these teams are just painfully stubborn with that. The Oilers with Evan Bouchard, the Islanders with Noah Dobson, just these guys are good. Just let them play. And he cannot be worse than what you're playing right now is the way you got to look at it. Like Nathan Beaulieu at this point in his career should be a seventh day. He should not be one of your six guys. Especially on a team like the Jets where, you know, we're, <laughs> We're not great, but one thing we do have is like a surplus of young defensemen who are quite good. Like, you know, there's Hanola, Sandberg, Chisholm, all those guys. And even, I hate to say it, even Logan Stanley, who is getting healthy scratched for Nathan Beaulieu. It does not make sense one bit. Nate Stanley is the walking epitome of that guy's tall. I want him on my team. That, the only, only, <laughs> only reason he was drafted, the only reason he's in the league, I have seen him skate in person and realized, yeah, the skating on the big guys is how you really, like I saw Taylor uh, Tyler Myers in person on Monday, and it's just <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, it's not happening for him anymore. Those legs <laughs> don't have the same push they used to. He's still Dude. big as hell, but he can't push off anymore. He has no speed. And exactly. for a guy like... For a guy like Logan Stanley, who's only 24, 25, and you have no foot speed, that's problematic in today's NHL. I mean, you saw it last year. That was the Jets' problem against the Oilers, was McDavid just going around the defenseman because he was faster than everybody. And they tried. They brought in Brandon Dillon. They brought in Dylan DeMello. Like, I understand what they tried to do, but we're, we're not thinking big enough. Like, there are enough pieces there where they should have been okay, but they added a second pair of defensemen and a, probably a third pair of defensemen. I don't know if Dylan DeMello is a first pair of defensemen on a playoff team. I think um, this is very common for a lot of teams. I know it's not just the Jets, but the Jets have a condition where they just think Connor Hellebuck is like the reincarnation of Jesus and he can just like yes. save everybody and do everything and score goals. And that's just not the case. Like he's an amazing goalie, but Goalies are, are weird. They have down years, you know, they yeah. can't do everything. And this is Connor Hellebuck's down year. So the fact that Hellebuck isn't playing like God this year is one of the re biggest reasons for yeah. the Jets struggles, which in no way is a shot against him because I have seen takes where people are calling him a bad goalie, which is by no means true. The Jets are just bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think that's their biggest issue is not building defense for him. Good yeah. enough at least. I mean, when you think about the team that was really good, that was a great defense with Bufflin oh, yeah. and Truba and Morrissey. That was a really good defense. I mean, and that was a really good Jets team. And slowly but surely, as they've had to give people raises and move people out to fit new people in and 
the never-ending line of people who get to Winnipeg and immediately want to go back to the United States, guys like Truba, who the minute he got there wanted to be back in the U.S. and spent seven years being in every single trade deadline rumor blog because everybody on the planet Earth knew he wanted to be in the U.S. It's it's an unfair market disadvantage. Uh, It's just something all the Canadian teams face, really, but the Jets in particular have had a weird string of those guys where immediately, no, I can't do this. Well, I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't blame them. First of all, like, I've been Winnipeg my whole life, born and raised. Um, it's not that bad because I've lived here for so long and I'm conditioned to it. But I understand how, say, you're somebody like Jacob Truba, who I think he's from Michigan. So yeah, cool, cool. That's nice. You have like, you know, moderate weather. It gets to minus forty degrees Celsius here, and not everyone's built for that. So I want <laughs> understand that. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yep. Can you explain what the hell the seltzer can just that was maybe the funniest part because that happened at like one in the morning and like an overtime game the first time the can walked out into the crowd. Why was that so funny? Because what was so funny about it because it hit everybody the same exact way. It did. Um, I think it was a combination of things like the no fans in the crowd at all. That was weird, like just dead silent. And then there's just this one little guy dressed up like a Bud Light seltzer can cheering on Nikolai Ehlers and his little overtime goal. (laughs) Just the fact that like, I don't know, it was so out of place too, because I don't I don't recall the Jets ever having like a Budweiser sponsorship like in the history of time. So just the fact that he was just hanging out there with no there's no ad to go with it he was just there was just like okay why (laughs) I think that's a perfect testament to everything good the NHL does in marketing is by accident like that that shouldn't have worked but everybody in our age bracket found that hysterical and that that meme still gets play like I still see that screenshot like almost every single week (laughs) it's a classic yeah so thinking about where they are right now mm-hmm. what would you say is the biggest problem is it who is on the team is it what they don't have is it just purely everything has kind of run its course that these guys have been here a little bit too long and it's time for a change of scenery what jumps out to you as overall like big picture problems not in terms of game to game okay well I have one that every Jets fan will agree on and it's Charlie Huddy our defensive coordinator Um, He's been with the team since we moved from Atlanta. He's been here for so long and the Jets have, you know, historically been like absolutely garbage on defense. So how he hasn't been fired yet is a mystery to me. So that's one thing. Get a new coaching staff entirely. Dave Lowry seems like a great guy. You know, he's Adam Lowry's dad. We got the whole family pedigree there, but he is really just not that good at his job. And I I hate to say it, but he's just not that good. So the new coaching staff is one thing. Um, Really just management in general. I think we need to, you know, get Chevy out for a few reasons, really. Um, Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they need to play the young guys a lot more. You need to, that goes with coaching, I guess. You need to trust your young players that, you know, you have. I don't know if this is just a Jets thing, but time and time again, when they get, questioned on why they don't play the young guys the go-to response is we don't want to burn their entry-level contract which is like why would you have them in the first place then (laughs) don't understand it and I it really hurts to say this but I think the Jets need to do like a full clean clean the house trade everyone even Hellebuck which hurts my soul 
because I love him so much. <laughs> um, but I don't think the Jets are going to be contenders for a while. And it's not fair to keep him here just because of that. And his value is super high right now. So you can get quite a bit for him and just do a quick little rebuild, restart everything, pretend that you were never in Atlanta, pretend nothing ever happened, and then just restart like fresh slates. That's so what I think needs to happen. So were you the one who made the, the graphic of the fake trade proposal on Instagram of Connor Hellebuck at 50% retained to the Oilers that I saw a couple of weeks ago? Because <laughs> I understand the whole point of hockey Instagram is purely to get engagement, but like, come on, man. They're not going to trade him into it. They're not. Come on. No, I did not make that, but that does, I mean, give you some good ideas, but like, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's been weird. The, the dynamic has been weird there for a little while. I remember a lot last year that I forget who it was kept acting Paul Maurice. How come you refuse to break up Shifley and Wheeler? They're terrible at defense, but you still play them together. And a very bl- generic non-answer of they like to play together. I like to maintain the chemistry. At what point do you just stop getting mad at doing the same thing over and over again? Because at some point you just have to laugh, right? Yep. Yep. I think uh, I reached that point probably like, I don't know, November this year. I was just like, wow, um, man, look at that Wheeler contract, 10 million this year he's making, which I mean, not a shot against Blake Wheeler. He's been a great jet, but he is just so old now. Like he is a senior citizen out there. And in this day and age, like the league is fast. The NHL is fast and Wheeler just can't keep up, which sucks, but yeah, he should not be a first line player in this day and age. You really notice should Shifley. I don't know. Shifley is very interesting because I've always liked his game, but he's gone through different iterations and you can kind of tell when he is and isn't trying on defense very early in the game where there'll be a four check opportunity and he just he'll float. He won't skate in. He'll just glide in and then not pressure the puck carrier. It's that Mm -hmm. kind of night. And I don't know, like you said, if the hit on Jake Evans last year kind of was like a freaky Friday in the bathroom moment where he doesn't know where he is right now out of body (laughs) experience type deal. But there's some conjecture out there that he might be out available for a trade and that would really be a, a franchise altering decision to move somebody of Shifley's caliber because he's a little bit underpaid which makes him tantalizing for teams I've seen a lot of things out there about if you could get him at 50% retain then you're only looking at like three and a half four million dollars a year for somebody who can get 60 to 70 points What's the energy like? Because I know you're not tapped in. I know you're not Elliot Friedman. What's the energy like around Mark Shifley right now in terms of long-term with the team? Because he's a free agent two years from now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's really tough just because Mark Shifley was the very first draft pick the Winnipeg yeah. Jets ever made. So fans, it's a weird relationship Winnipeg has with him right now, I think. like Fans love him because he is the first Jet of the new Jets. So there's the history with that, but he's just, he's that kind of player where, you know, he's, he doesn't like to play some nights. He just likes yeah. to take a night off and, you know, collect a few million bucks. I respect it. I would do the same, but unfortunately this is the NHL and you're a professional and you have a job to do. And when you're not doing that job, you know, things have to happen. So I don't know. I think that would be so tough because 
the Jets have gone through a lot of changes in the past few years. And I think that Shifley's time with us just could be nearing an end just because that's what has to happen. Sometimes, you know, you cycle through your players and sometimes a player has just been somewhere too long. And in Shifley's case, he's been here over a decade now and the Jets like haven't been very good for over a decade now. So <laughs> I think it could just be time to yeah. move on, which hurts, but that's just the business. So what do you think of the bones of the team moving forward? Who do you think is definitely here like as a building block for whatever the next iteration of the competitive Jets are? That's tough because the way I see it right now, I think there's like two untouchable players, like total. And Perfetti is one of them, so. Oh, wow. Okay. Then it's not one. Then who's the other one? Oh, that's so tough. I'm running through people in my head right now. And I honestly think it's got to be Nick Ehlers because everyone loves him here. He is like the guy, Mr. Winnipeg. I can see him, him, Perfetti, and maybe Kyle Connor spending their entire careers here. But everyone else, even Hellebuck, I can see being moved at some point. Do you think that... So that puts, I'm trying to think like in my head, how old these people are. So like that would leave the building blocks of the next iteration, like two years from now of like Mm -hmm. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor. That's really kind of it at forward that, that, and um, Nick and Nick Ellers, that's it. Cause everybody else is pretty old. Paul Statsen is in his mid thirties. Andrew Kopp is names out there at the deadline. They brought in Svechnikov, which was, at least an idea they're at least trying to do something but that really hasn't clicked vaseline has gotten some burn but there's not a ton there's not a ton to work with this is a pretty old team which mm-hmm. is daunting when your best case is somebody in front of you goes on a losing streak and you can kind of play your way back into a playoff spot which every time i put on tsn to watch the jets they talk about in the pregame like yeah they're only six points out of the playoffs i don't know about that math i don't yeah. know about that math I honestly think that the worst possible thing that could happen to the Jets this year is that they make the playoffs because <laughs> Dave Lowry will get a 10-year extension. Blake Wheeler will get a 10-year extension. Like, yeah, it's it's rough right now. We're in a rough spot here in Winnipeg. So one of the questions I have for you, do you think this is a case of these guys not playing up to their ability or do you think there's just not enough talent on this roster to be good? I think it's a little bit of both. Because you look at the team and on paper, it's like a decent team. You know, there's Nate Schmidt, who we added this past summer, who has been pretty decent. Josh Morrissey's had a good bounce back here. But I'm going to go back to the coaching staff and say, you know, maybe, maybe in this day and age, playing Stastny, Scheif, and Wheeler on the first line isn't the best idea. Or starting Paul Stastny and, I don't know, Logan Stanley in overtime, maybe not the best idea ever. So I think they just need to take a shot at like a young coach maybe who has a better grasp at like today's NHL and doesn't value the dinosaurs just to give it one more shot with this roster, just to see if there is something left. But if that doesn't work, blow it up, honestly, like wait, wait for the Leafs to lose in round one and you can have, um, why can't I? Oh, Sheldon Keefe. Yeah. I was going to say Kyle Dubas. And then I had to remember, no, that's the, that's the child in the box. Yes. 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 Yeah. Something very I don't know what it is about, I guess it's because so much of hockey media is concentrated in Canada, but whenever somebody has an embarrassing playoff round, it just turns into a DEFCON 5 situation. Like when the Oilers lost last year, it's like, they got to trade dry. Like, what? No, they don't. 
What is it like living in the center of the hockey universe in terms of the coverage? Because the way you consume hockey is very different from the way we down here in the States consume it, where we have to go out of our way to find it. Whereas for you guys, it's everything. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like if I go outside right now, um, every single one of my neighbors has a backyard ice rink with a Winnipeg Jets flag hanging in the back. Like it's like a religion here. It's insane. Um, which is great. I love being in a hockey market because it's like part of Winnipeg. That's what makes Winnipeg so unique. You know, the Jets are like, they're just there. It's the Jets. But it's such a hard market to play in for the players because mm. think about like in LA, like if, if I don't know, Andre Kopitar is walking down the street, maybe like one person will notice him. But if Blake Wheeler is walking down the street here, he's going to get mobbed. So yeah. that's really tough for players who don't like being in the spotlight. And the media here is so harsh. Like, mm. as you said, it's like if if the Jets lose a playoff series, it'll be like, okay, we need to have, I don't know, Kyle Connor executed. It's time, man. <laughs> like, we just can't have him here anymore. Don't it's... give TSN ideas. Do not give <laughs> TSN ideas. Execution <laughs> or mercy. Well, that'll be an intermission segment. Execution or mercy when the Leafs lose in round one again. Oh God help goodness. them. I mean, they're going to probably end up playing Florida in the first round or – God help them if they play Florida in the first. That's a tough draw, man. Or Tampa. God. Tampa, Tampa, Toronto would be bad for a number of reasons, mostly because the jerseys are too similar and it'd be confusing. But that would be a tough draw for the Leafs. Uh, oh, yeah. Everything comes back to the Leafs, unfortunately. Always. Always. And I've what? noticed that in when I watch other Canadian teams, like when I watch Vancouver, when I watch the Jets, when I watch Calgary, they still talk about the Leafs on the pregame during the intermission. Mm -hmm. I is that uh, just there are that many Leafs fans scattered across Canada type deal? Or is it just that there's so many of them were in the greater Ontario area that they kind of have to drive the conversation? I think it's a little bit of both because okay. first of all, the two major sports networks that stream like every single Leafs game are from Toronto. So obviously yeah. they're going to be pretty biased, but like, it's weird in my neighborhood. There's somebody with like a Montreal Canadiens flag, just like hanging out there. Like why? Um, and if you go Aren't to you like, embarrassed? I know, right? Like nowadays, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because I think in a lot of these markets, cause like the original six teams are so old. There's yeah. just so many Leafs and Habs fans here that, you know, before the flames got here, before the Oilers existed or the jets, people were fans of these teams and they just stuck with it. So no matter where you go, you will see a Leafs jersey. It's like it's like being in hell, actually. It's horrible. But <laughs> I can't even say that's unique to Canada because every single time I go to a Devils Leafs game, there's 1,500, 2,000 Leafs fans. I don't know what – like you said, there were six teams once upon a time and that got passed down, and yeah, people like to be different. That's the other thing. Uh, yep. Yeah. So circling back around to the Jets, how have – How's it kind of felt energy-wise since the coaching change? Because you change a coach in December, there's still, it's not like you can just kind of punt on the rest of the season. Has there been any kind of energy shift or has it been more or less kind of the same malaise? I think at the beginning, people were like, we're going to be like the 2010 Flyers, man. We're going to go to the cup final. This is great. And then Dave Lowry played a few games and I think he won like three in a row or something. And people were like, all right, plan the parade. This is it. This is our year. And then as we all know, the jets kind of just like stop trying. They just like stop playing, um, you know, Hellebuck's letting in 14 goals a night, that kind of thing. 
And then the hope died. And then the Paul Maurice waving gif has now been remade to have Dave Lowry's face on it. Thank you. Thank you, Jets fans. So I think that pretty much just sums it up. <laughs> Do you think it's come to a point of acceptance or is there kind of going to be a boiling point where Jet fans are going to kind of snap? Oh, <laughs> there has yet to be a jersey thrown on the ice, okay. but it's coming. I can feel it. Once the fans stop screaming out true north at the games, I think that's that's when it's going to happen. You know, our corporate overlords are finally going to realize that they have to try now. You know, we can't just be happy to have a team anymore. Would you say there's been a complacency with just being a playoff team and that they haven't really tried to go a little, tried to improve the roster too much because just making the playoffs was good enough for them? A hundred percent. The mentality in Winnipeg with the Jets is split 50-50. There's like the people who are like, I don't know, 45 years old and older who are like, I don't care how well they play. I'm just happy to have a team. And then there's the people who are younger who are like, I'm happy to have a team, but like, this is just getting pathetic now. Like I want to win something. So it's tough because ownership caters more towards the people who don't care if they're good or not because Mm -hmm. they save money, which is why we're stuck in purgatory of being a painfully mediocre team for, you know, the past decade. And that's the worst place to be in the NHL with the draft lottery. Because if you're picking 13th or worse, you're you're not going to have a chance at getting anybody special. And they've had a few cracks at it. They've gotten some pretty good guys from the draft. I mean, I, I, circling, I, I know it's going to be upsetting, but I mean, they did have Patrick Lyon. They score like 40-something goals in a season as a child. Like that was a <laughs> child, like staying up till 2 in the morning and drinking Mountain Dew and scoring 40 goals in a season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man that's uh ownership man i still can't believe he was traded like it doesn't even feel real but yeah (laughs) so i take it you're still invested in the long-term success of patrick lino's nhl career 100 percent. if he signs an extension with columbus i'm buying a jersey like i love that guy he's the only reason i even started caring about the jets so I'm not even going to front. I've been saying for two years I want the Rangers to get Line A purely because I just want him. I, I, I don't know if he would fit, if it would make sense. I, when somebody has that kind of talent and all you need to do is kind of push the right buttons to get the right attitude out of them, I don't understand this unwillingness to adapt. These are kids. Like Patrick Line is like 23. Mm-hmm. He's one year removed from being a college senior. And we're mm-hmm. judging who he is as a person for the entirety of the rest of his life based on that. That's just always struck me as crazy. Mm-hmm. And even when Line isn't, you know, on his, you know, one month, 14 goal a game streak, he's so much fun to watch. And he's yeah. such a personality. Like every team needs a Line A. Yeah. And I think, again, going back to when Buff left, um, the Jets lost their identity with the two fun guys once Lanny and Buffalo left. And I think that's why they haven't been able to recover really in terms of having personality, whatever the their NHL per- personality. Their personality is Mark Shifley saying Frick. That is the Jets personality. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty damn sad. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, it's always funny when Mark Shifley's in the puck personality videos because he doesn't have a personality. No, <laughs> no, he does not. Like, I get it. He's the person the Jets send to media NHL media day, but, like, you couldn't throw them a bone. Like, 
oh god it the nhl's use of like i i vividly remember them having uh what's the app you use the most on your phone and Sidney crosby goes itunes oh my god just like like, what are we doing here what are we doing here come on man that's so funny (laughs) the hockey culture uh, we gotta do something man i I have hope purely because of the kids people like jack hughes who the TikTok hockey players are going to save the sport is where I'm at right now in the long-term trajectory of the of hockey. Yeah, Trevor Zegers has got this league on his back right now. Like, oh my gosh, good luck, Trevor. And the NHL realized it and was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna try something with him because they haven't done shit in the last 10 years. New. Yeah. If if they had it their way, they'd still be marketing Crosby versus Ovechkin, honestly. Yes. Like they still do. That's, that's the worst still- part. <laughs> they still make a big to they still make a big to do out of the original six teams playing each other like it's a rival the rangers do not have a rivalry with the red wings nbc i hate to tell you this this is not a rivalry this hasn't been a rivalry since world war ii oh, honestly that's so funny the young people will save hockey is where i'm at on that so <laughs> in looking forward now in terms of the rest of the season Anything you think is getting sold off of this team? Anything anything out there would lead you to believe that? Or do you think they're kind of just going to stand pat and be a little bit more roster transactions towards the draft in the offseason? That's a good question. I think the first domino to fall is going to be Andrew Kopp. Mm-hmm. Because he has a little bit of value compared yeah. to the other guys who have been thrown around, like Paul Stastny. I think... Some team will see Andrew Kopp that he scored, I don't know, like 10 goals or whatever he has and be like, yeah, that will get us over the hump. We need that guy because that's just how GMs think. Yeah. <laughs> so I can see that happening. That nothing will happen or they'll trade like three guys at once. They'll be like, yeah, Mark Scheifele's going to Florida guys. Sorry. That's just how they operate. <laughs> hey, there are a lot of people who are convinced Andrew Kopp would fix the Rangers. So don't, it's not just GMs. There are a lot of people on the internet who, yeah, we get Andrew Kopp in here or Terry Luckinen in here and we're fine. No, we're not. No, we're not. Have you watched Andrew Kopp play hockey? He's fine. He's not a difference maker. No, he's not Sidney Crosby. He's Andrew Kopp. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody else aside from Kopp, you think realistically for in terms of the deadline and what is it, two and a half weeks? Yeah, two and a half weeks. Well, I know the Bruins, they love their old guys. And I can yes. totally see Paul Stastny going to Boston. Oh, that I can fits. see it in my bones. Like, I can just see it happening. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. <laughs> uh, Stat, I still can't believe that article yesterday. I still oh, can't man. believe Stat. <laughs> it hurts. Bro, you- <laughs> I have a sweater that has, like, his little nickname on it. I love Stastny, and now it's just, like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm never wearing that outside again. Uh, nothing like the comforting reminder that everybody who plays the sport despises me and all of my friends. Nothing right. like that reminder. It's the worst. Uh, <laughs> I can't Stop. believe Stop asking them these questions. That's why I don't, that's like the other day with the Ovechkin stuff. Like if you're afraid, you know what the answer is going to be. Don't ask. We exactly. know what these, we know what these people are going to say. We know what they're going to say. You don't want to know. Yeah, I don't. I really don't. Cause then you're going to ruin more people for me. Exactly. It's not yeah. fair. It's not, it's not. And thinking about where the jets are, where they could be, 
Do you think it's realistically going to be a full teardown, or do you think they are going to insist on doing what they've been doing, where they move one or two parts around that main group? Because that's what they've wanted to do for the last four years. They keep moving around, getting pieces to go in around the Shifley, Wheeler, Ehlers, and Kyle Connor, who's having a great year, by the way. Kyle Connor is saving my fantasy team. Oh, yeah. Um, well, first of all, Kyle Connor, I mean, yeah, he, I think he could score 50, not this year, but it's coming. I just feel it. Um, second, I think if I know true North and I do, I know them in their, their ways, they will do everything in their power to not do anything to okay. save money because I don't know, they're like, you know, Vin Diesel family. We don't want to trade anyone. Um, so I think our best hope is that out of nowhere, like somebody requests a trade or I don't know, Blake Wheeler retires or something, something to really shake everything up. Cause I do not see ownership caring enough to trade people away and make like a change that will actually benefit the team. They're just that stubborn. It'll take Hellebuck pulling a Patrick Roy before, before something happens. That leads me beautifully into the next question I was getting. Why are the Jets so stubborn? Why do they refuse to wear their best jerseys? Why don't they wear the powder blue or the retro ever? Those are amazing. Absolutely amazing jerseys, and they wear them like four times a year. And it's hilarious because they are a bestseller. Like, you go to a Jets game, nobody owns the boring navy ones. It's all the dark blue Heritage Classic jerseys because they're mint. They're so nice. Um, I... I don't know. Ownership is so weird like that. Like it's even weirder because this year they introduced like in Manitoba, the heritage license plate. So it's like, you can buy the Jersey on a license plate, but they're not using the jerseys. It's really, it's really confusing. I don't understand at all. Yeah. How, how would you say the jets coming back has impacted the way that team operates because you mentioned it before about how there's the older contingent of fans who are just happy that there's a team there again versus younger fans who kind of want to see something to win how is it that played out over the last 10 ish years in terms of just the dynamics between the public and the team well first of all the jets are like our economy here (laughs) like um I, I know people joke about Winnipeg a lot and it not really having much, but like seriously, True North, the company that owns the Jets is like the place to work here. Like it's mm. the way we operate. It's really weird, but- um, It's like a college football team in a college town. Yeah, It is, it really is. It's like a religion almost. So even when people are mad at the Jets, I don't think we're really mad at the Jets. It's just like- you know, we know what they're capable of and they're just like not doing it. So it's frustrating. But I think if you're a player and you really genuinely like hockey, like that's why we have so many guys from like Minnesota or Michigan here. Cause like they grew up with, I don't know, the Red Wings or I guess not really the wild because you know, the whole moving them to Dallas thing, but, or the <laughs> but um, I think if the players come from an environment where like they were brought up in a hockey town, they really like it here because it's like, you're an A-list celebrity here in Winnipeg. Like, I can't even imagine. It's, it's crazy. It's just like, that's what you do here in Winnipeg. You drive around, you hang out at home and try not to get frostbite and you go to Jets games. That's like the three things that you do in Winnipeg. So yeah, it's big. How central is that to the identity of that region? It is the identity of that region. Like, it's it's really interesting. And I think that's 
kind of going on a tangent here. I think that's why Saskatchewan needs a team mm-hmm. because the rivalry between the Jets and whatever they would have would be insane because I don't know if you know much about the CFL, uh, which most people outside of Canada don't. I've dabbled. I, there are <laughs> things to gamble on at the end of the summer when there's only baseball on. I've dabbled in the CFL. I know the names of the teams. I don't know anyone yeah. on the teams, but go ahead. I feel like just the rivalry that the Rough Riders, which are Saskatchewan's team, and the Bombers, which is Winnipeg's team, have, it would be so amazing to see that on a bigger scale. But the NHL won't do that because, like, five people live in Saskatchewan, so it's too bad. But it is the regional personality of, like, all the Prairie provinces. It's insane. How much of beef would there have been if the Jets actually played games in Saskatchewan, which they were talking about doing during the attendance restrictions? Oh my God, it was a hot topic for discussion in this household um, that I live in. <laughs> season ticket holders were like, man, I'm canceling my season tickets. This is like Arizona all over again, which I mean, I understand why people were upset because it's like, you don't really give a shit about the fans and their safety and you just want the money. But like, oh man, yeah, people were pissed off. They shut that down real quick. <laughs> yeah. What are you most excited about for the second half of the hockey season? It can be the Jets, the league at large. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward for the Jets season to end and put me out of my misery. (laughs) Really and truly. Um, I'm excited to see if Tampa can win three in a row because that would be kind of hilarious if they did. And I like Steven Stamkos, so I mean, that works for me. And I'm excited to see what the Anaheim Ducks are going to do. If they're going to make the playoffs or I don't know. (laughs) Gary's going to make some phone calls. He's getting the ducks in the playoffs. He's like, yeah, we got to give the bald guy one last crack at it. Between that, they spent like 30. I ESPN has made no less than like 15 interviews with Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegers since the season started. Just you can't have any questions left to ask them. Greg Wisniewski. You've talked to them 15 times each literally it's like they probably have espn's number blocked at this point (laughs) what would you what would make the rest of this season not torturous for you in terms of the jets i think oh man it's it's kind of a it's tough because i want to see them succeed i want to see them go on a cinderella run like montreal or st louis and you know actually do something but i know if that happens Again, like I said, Wheeler 10-year extension, Dave Lowry 10-year extension, which, I mean, will hold them back in the long run. So as much as I hate to say it, I'd like to see them just, like, tank and get a really good Um, That or they actually just win every single game and not lose another game for the rest of the season. So I think my other – A 28-game heater? A 28-game (laughs) Unlikely, but I can dream, so – it's kind of as we've been talking about it i've been trying to think of how i would describe the jets the jets are like the beach town cover bands like they're gonna play the same 15 songs every single night of the entire summer and then when the summer's over they're gonna go back to their day jobs and that's what they are you know what you're gonna get every single time you see them they're not too flashy they've got that workman blue collar attitude they've got a loyal following who love them to death and swear they're amazing that's what mm-hmm. they are. They're they're the band that opens for a they're the band that opens for someone down the shore during the summer. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's um if there's U2 and then there's like Irish Rock Association, that's the Jets right there. You know what you're gonna get. <laughs> 
What team irks the shit out of you? Who I have two, and okay. they're very predictable. One of them is St. Louis, and one okay. of them is Vegas. So not Vegas lesser now, but just St. Louis, I think, because we play them more, and I'm still a little bitter about the 2019 playoffs. So yeah, is, those is are Vegas cool. is Vegas purely because of the Twitter account? It's a little bit of the Twitter account. I kind of I just like I ignore them, but the 2018 playoffs man that's still yeah. a fresh room for me yeah that, that's real beef the trauma losing to a team in the playoffs does to your your soul like the dis the hate i have in my soul for the ottawa senators for 2017 and then they <laughs> traded everybody from that fucking team i sat through that series watching the rangers lose to a team that sucked and then they traded everybody anyway oh man yeah hockey is just so cruel it's yeah. <laughs> why do we watch uh, every now and then it has its moments. That's the thing. You're chasing the, the five good minutes you get every now and then. That's what you're yeah. chasing. That's fair. That's fair. Like, you, you can't tell me you weren't having fun watching the Oilers slowly lose their minds over their inability to score against Hellebuck in overtime. That one game that went to two overtimes, like, just the, you know their Oilers aren't winning this game. You just know. Oh, my goodness. That game, I think, really and truly, my family, we all sat up in the basement, you know, expecting, you know, whatever happens, happens. That's that playoff series was great because the Jets had no expectations. Like we were just happy to be there. So that game where the overtime went until what was it? Two in the morning, three in the morning. Something like that. Yeah. Something ridiculous like that. Oh my God. We were like at a cabin when that happened. So we didn't have Wi-Fi, So our stream was delayed. And I just remember watching that playoff series and like my brain, like melting. Cause like, why why is this happening <laughs> it was great though and then everything else happened after which we don't talk about but yeah that was such a good series that was such a canadian sentence we were at the cabin without the wi-fi watching the playoff series that was that was that was pretty good that was Thank canadian you. mad lib that was canadian mad libs right there that was authentic canadian content for you right there yeah. <laughs> in terms of your online personality because i want to talk about this i want to talk about this <laughs> because you're a volume shooter you're doing a lot of things and you said that's because your brain never shuts off like me and i understand so when you see things are you like me where you see something you're gonna throw that in a folder save that for later when you have a better idea for it what type of chaotic creator are you that's interesting because i do that sometimes i'll see something happen and i'll be like "Ooh, that's going in the drafts so i'm gonna let that one marinate for a bit yeah. you know when i'm tweeting early in the morning that's usually what that is but if i'm watching a game or like you know something big happens like a news story or someone gets traded i just kind of i go through my pinterest boards and i look at all the memes i have saved because i i don't go outside enough um and i just kind of use my imagination and go with whatever sounds like a kind of coherent sentence and then throw it into the world and see what happens it's a mess how'd you pick how'd you pick the chargers as a football team <laughs> it was an accident actually um during the lockdown like the first lockdown 2020 i bought madden like madden 20 and i guess the chargers were the default team and i just didn't change it and i just kind of stuck with it i just like philip rivers i don't know <laughs> Okay. I was going to say, it seems like you keep stumbling into things that are ruining your life. Yeah, really. Like, <laughs> my family, like the history of my family, everyone's a Titans fan. So I really, 
I picked a bad, bad team to go with. At least the Chargers are fun bad. They're chaotic bad. That's it's true. Like, it could be worse. You could. It's not like you picked the Lions. At least you've got like you got Jay Herbo, you got Joey Bo. So that's something to work with. I have a little bit of hope. <laughs> like, I hey, do Justin Herbert's awesome. That's that's more than most people can say. That is he's got a quarterback. True. That's the hardest thing to get in football. That is so true. And the Chargers getting him by accident like makes it even funnier. <laughs> like they shouldn't have drafted him. It was yes. yes. <laughs> That's oh. a perfect example. Somebody in a bad situation in college didn't totally reach their full potential because of the offense he played in. Then he landed on a team where the quarterback got stabbed in the chest with a needle, and they're like, you're playing, Justin. Get in there five minutes before the game starts. You can't make this shit up. You oh can't make it up. Yeah, that's how his Hall of Fame career started, someone getting stabbed. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> that's a hockey subplot. I feel like that that got messed up in the writer's room. That was supposed to go to the NHL writer's room, and that ended up exactly. in the football room. Yeah. Hockey is ridiculous with some of the shit. Like, what was oh the thing God. the other day? Like, one of my one of my friends who casually watches hockey, every time he has a couple beers, he's like, you remember the time Rich Peverly died on the bench? I'm like, yes. I do. <laughs> like, yes. do we have to do this every single time, man? Just oh, the... my God. And then we're, uh, where do you stand on fighting in hockey, out of curiosity? Because we're just kind of bullshitting at this point. Yes. Um, I have a very interesting take on it. Like, I don't know. Enforcers are my favorite players. Like, I hate to admit it, but like Jody Shelley, I love Jody Shelley. I have no idea why, but like all these old guys that can't skate, you know, the big guys who can't skate, I love them, but I don't know. I feel like the stage fights, I don't like, you know, when it's Mm. like five years ago, a guy said something about a guy's cousin's uncle or something. I don't know. And then they're like, Oh, we got to got to fight because of the code that I'm not a fan of, but I feel like if it's just like a heat of the moment, like bad hit in the game and it's just like on a dime, you go fight someone, whatever. But the brain damage thing kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fun. Does this this mean you're upset Ryan Reeves was one of the nine Ranger alternate captains? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. I was surprised. I mean, like at least they would have given him like alternate captain light or something. Like, I don't know. Alternate captain junior. I don't know. Something like that. You got a lot of run out of the Ranger alternate captain memes. Like, you got a solid, like, three weeks out of those. Like, I still vividly remember some of them in my brain because they're funny. But I don't know how you got so much out of that. Oh, yeah. The Rangers are a good team because they provide me with a lot of content. Like, they're just a goofy team, I feel like, if that's fair to say. Like, they're just – there's always something going on there, whether it be firing everyone just out of nowhere or, like, trading – who did they trade? Was it Bushnevich for, like, packing peanuts or something? that yep. that the whole thing and trading neil pionk and then him becoming like actually like really good and that whole thing hilarious I, I one i will keep my a feather in my cap for in the fall before they traded him to winnipeg i wrote a yes his numbers are very bad but he is on a bad team he's got good <laughs> traits he will eventually be a good nhl player <laughs> i know i can evaluate nhl talent that's all i'm saying that's pretty sweet i mean yeah yeah uh, he's been interesting to watch because everybody who leaves the Rangers magically gets better. He's one of them. Brett Howden is actually good at hockey now, which kind of irks me because I spent That's three hilarious. years. I spent three years watching him just skate into the corner and lose every single puck battle he went into. Even though he's pretty big and pretty fast, he just seemingly never won a puck. He couldn't shoot to save his life. He couldn't pass. He couldn't really mm-hmm. skate other than in a straight line. Like if you asked him to go side to side, that was a little bit too much. Kind of like a smaller Miles Wood. 
now he's in Vegas. Yeah, now he's in Vegas. He actually knows what he's. He actually looks like a hockey player. The Vegas effect. They just they do things different down there, I guess. Uh, like they kind of they try or something. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Before I get you out of here, the last thing I want to ask you, because your team will probably not make the postseason, what would be your ideal Stanley Cup final? Purely from a whether it be a shit posting perspective, a good hockey perspective, whatever tickles your fancy. What would your ideal Cup final be? Ooh. I think the most hilarious final of all time would be Vegas and Tampa because of cap circumvention. Yeah. That would be, oh my God, the old men would lose their minds. That would be hilarious. Um, I think I might actually get crucified for saying this as a Canadian hockey fan, but I'd like to see the flames make a push. That'd I know it's like an unwritten rule that if you're a Canadian fan, you're not supposed to cheer for any Canadian teams, but I don't know. They're, I don't dislike the flames this year. So I'd like to see that. Or I'd like to see Florida win a series. That would be great. Just yeah. that would be good for hockey down there. Yeah. Or just for the memes. I'm trying to think. What if Arizona, like <laughs> by some God, they get their Ari- shit together? <laughs> Arizona, I'm afraid, does not have enough games left. They do not have enough games. Yeah. Left. Okay. I would have. I just like imagine that 5,000 seat arena would be rocking. It would be amazing. I'm think I'm trying to think what would be funny. I mean, Tony D'Angelo getting embarrassed in a cup final would be kind of funny. Yes. God, I don't know how that man is real. Like every time I see his face, I'm like, that's just a caricature of New Jersey. Like if you asked some an AI to draw New Jersey, it would be oh, Tony D'Angelo. Like I'm trying to think. Detroit could make a bit of a push. They're only nah. They're ten points back. They, the the poor children. Their their season will be over soon. The Islanders are dead. Ottawa is Ottawa. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. no. It's very boring because all the playoff teams are more or less locked in at this point. Now we just kind of yeah. have to sit around for the next month and a half. That's too bad. I I wanted some chaos. I mean, I need like a team like last year, Montreal last year. Even though my team lost to them, that was a lot of fun. So I don't know. That's what me and my friends were trying to figure out during the second period of the Jets, the Devils Canucks game, because it was five, one jet uh, devils in the second period. So we yeah. were trying to figure out who like the pure team chaos could be. I was going to say Nashville purely because if Soros goes on a crazy heater, I could see Nashville <laughs> winning a series or two and messing everything up. Yep. That's I'm trying to, there's nobody like of Montreal's ilk from last year. I mean, Carolina is supposed to be good, but Carolina, like talent-wise, it's close to what Montreal was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Much yeah. to consider. Definitely, it's never boring. We definitely never. Amu- we amuse ourselves a lot. That helps too. Definitely. There's never a boring moment. All right, before I get you out of here, plug the Twitter where they can find the chaos. Okay. <laughs> I guess just just my name, Ava Tarrant. If you want to have your brain cells completely melted, check it out. I never stop talking. I'm sorry in advance. You say that like it's a bad thing. You, you, you've curated a niche internet personality. You are a niche internet celebrity. You... My parents are so proud I make hockey memes on the internet. You have no idea. <laughs> that was rough when my mom made a Twitter and followed me on Twitter and I was like, fuck. My grandma follows me, so I mean, I know exactly how you feel. Oh, God, that's tough. That's worse. That's worse. Yep. Slightly yep. worse. Oh, man. Thank you so much for coming on. This was fun. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun.
I'm glad. I'm glad. All right, we will be back tomorrow. Clarissa will be on to talk about the Canucks. And then next week, we got to figure out who we're having on. Still got to send emails or text people. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you.